Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Black Bar Podcast. I am uh, Caleb Weidman. I'm here with Zach and Nick. How are you guys doing today? We're just jamming to the we're song just, right we're now. We're just dude. vibing right yeah. now. I'm I'm getting a little sick, and I may or may not be on medication. And I'm just vibing. I'm just vibing. Wait, what does that here. mean? You may or may not be on medication. <laughs> it means whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> <laughs> Last this week I had vampire teeth, and this week I have yeah. a stuffy face. So I guess you're paying for it. I'm you're paying being for, it. for your Yeah, I'm being punished teeth. for yes. my vampirism. Yes. I mean, what yep. are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, today uh, we don't have. Just three people here today. Mm-hmm. We actually have four people here today. As hey! uh, Alex Lyons is in the house uh, to talk with us about a handful of topics we have going on today. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm just vibing with y'all with the, the music as well. But, but the track, you know, went out, so I can't vibe anymore. It's all yep, good. Oh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you can just vibe to the music that's always playing. Yeah, in there's always music playing in my head. Believe me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, much. Alex, thanks for being with us today. Excited for you. Uh, Caleb, did we talk about who the heck Alex is? Is that something we covered yet? We should I probably intro our Alex. Is just this random guy that we found on the street. <laughs> yep. We, we found him on the in. street. We hooked Demo with a full technical production setup and then told him to come on the podcast. So guys, uh, so that you guys have a context, Alex, uh, we've talked about him in the past. Oh, wink, wink. Uh, But Alex is currently the creative director at Southern Southern Carolina Baptist or SC Baptist. He is a father of four. And then he's also my former former boss and overlord. So whenever Uh I interned in the Philippines, uh, he was the one that, uh, that kept me in line so <laughs> yeah made him nice. eat balutes which if you don't know what balutes Balut. is yeah don't if you're up. squeamish yeah don't look it don't up don't look it up it's like an egg but yeah it's with feathers it's, and the whole deal yeah i told him it's i would not yeah, between an egg and a chicken <laughs> yep yeah <You're> right. <laughs> it was an experience i, I think know what it is in the, <laughs> in the philippines like i get to try so many things i get to try balut yeah i think chicken's feet and shark fin and jellyfish yep yep i mean i got they gave me the whole experience did you enjoy it zach did you have a which of those balutes specifically? Or yes. being with me? I'm sure he enjoyed the balut more than being with me. I, think I mean, that like that's probably Alex, what like there. three out of ten. Balut, like two out of ten. So but like, with rice, ooh. how much out of ten <laughs> is yeah. the question? Balut, yeah. balut wasn't too bad. It was like it was like a hard boiled egg. It was all psychological because the first one I got through, and the second one I was like, I'll do another one, and then I yeah. threw it in my mouth, and I was just yeah. like, Oh my god! Yeah, the 65 year old. Yeah. Filipino man gave it to him and I told Zach, you are not passing your internship if you don't uh, eat this thing right now because he will be offended for yeah, life. Yeah. So yeah. Shout out sorry to about Mangabe. that boss. Mangabe in <laughs> Thank the house. You so much Mangabe. <laughs> well guys, let's go ahead. You don't need to hear about my uh my extensive internship experience. Uh let's go ahead and get our to our first topic today. Um yes. we have been uh, uh watching something unfold. Uh I don't know if any of you guys know what Eddie Bauer is. Uh does anyone I feel know like Caleb idea? would know. I am very familiar with Eddie Bauer. They are not for me, but they're like a they're a, they make clothes for like mm. outdoorsy people, for yes. people who go outside. That is not oh. me. I feel like this would touch, be like a catch grass. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a nice Venn diagram of like Caleb's fashion world and my 
my desire to to go outside. Go to Eddie Bauer then. You might <laughs> a little expensive, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm so, a 42 year old male, and so as a Gen Xer, I'm I you know I don't have my New Balances yet, but I'm a little bit familiar <laughs> right. with uh, who uh, Eddie Bauer is. Yeah, right. So Eddie Bauer, uh, they have always been. I mean, they've been around for a good while. They were established hmm. in 1920, um, and uh, the founder Eddie Bauer was actually the first to patent a down jacket in the U.S., which is pretty cool. Uh, and in 1960, or sorry, 1936, uh, he happened to use stuffed goose feathers, which is relevant, I swear. Uh, just recently, yes. Eddie Bauer rebranded. They were previously uh-huh. kind of like a handwritten script custom font, yeah. and they rebranded to a very simple, very bold sans serif font with a goose mm-hmm. like, uh, like, like a goose icon. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's been an, a mixed review on how it's mm. been received. Um, about a year ago, Tim. Uh, Bantle joined Eddie Bauer as the CEO uh, after a variety of internal conversations, speaking with employees and researching the company's history. He announced a new three-pronged approach to expand Eddie Bauer's efforts, which mm-hmm. consisted, uh, which is essentially a uh, Caleb. What's it called? I mean, no, not uh, the uh, the thing that you guys have been talking about forever that we still haven't talked about. Uh, doing like a like a like a survey um, to oh, you mean a focus group? Yeah, focus. Oh, talking focus. about focus I mean, groups. That's essentially the thing. The, <laughs> the, thing, the thing, thing, Caleb. The thing, thing that we Caleb. Discuss, like, Caleb? Yes. Come on, read my I'm mind. To understand? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm this like... is sick brain thinking that I already yes. communicated this with you. So, <laughs> like, are we right. talking about destiny? Telepathic. Telepathic. No, this is this is me. Anyway. <laughs> he went. He he did the research. He con- connected with the people in the company, and he ab- announced a three pronged approach to expanding Eddie Bauer's efforts, hmm. and that's focusing right. more on wholesale retail, increasing internal distribution, and then finally reaching a new generation of customers. And I think it's essentially that third element that really realized helped them realize that they needed to rebrand. Hmm. Um, not only because you know I think bold sans serif simple iconography is big right now and in general, but also <laughs> this is interesting in the article mm-hmm. I was reading. A lot of younger generations don't know how to read cursive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds yeah. crazy to say, sure. but the ha- the handwritten font was like a handwritten cursive. And uh, so right. they uh, decided to rebrand. And that's where we are, guys. It's, it's, it's interesting to watch a brand as big as them do something like this um, because not only did they put in the work, but they also tried to make something extremely simple and they're fully rebranding all of their stores with this new simplified look. Now, the nice thing is that the, the, the goose being, you know, the down feather thing, right? That was kind of the connection. The goose has always been kind of a prominent yes. symbolism within the company over all these years. Yeah. So they just kind of leaned into it. So I, I'm curious, like, especially as we've talked about rebranding before and making like a clear brand for your organization, for your church, mm-hmm. for your ministry, I'm curious what you guys think about uh this new idea was it a stupid move to make a change on that um or does this seem to be pretty solid direction that they're taking i don't know i've heard a lot of criticism about minimalism becoming uh, a way to remove personality from stuff but you got to communicate in the language that your audience knows right alex i heard you chime in there what were you saying i I was just gonna say johnson and johnson recently you know since Mm -hmm. 18 1880 something they went from a script Mm -hmm. into a sans serif and just going with j and j you know versus just you know johnson and johnson so same thing Mm -hmm. taking out a script to be able to uh you know communicate with that you know the clean sans serif but i think what's interesting more to me is that you know explicitly the eddie bauer guy talks about how Mm -hmm. 
you know, Gen Z can't read cursive mm-hmm. and that's why they did it. So, yeah. you know, yeah. is Coca-Cola yeah. next? I mean, honestly, you know, like they're a, yeah. they're a good script for a hundred years. So I'm drinking mm-hmm. this dark liquid, but I don't know what it's called. What yeah, is these uh, these legacy squiggle, brands. Yeah, for sure. These legacy <laughs> brands trying to figure mm-hmm. out in, you know, things like McDonald's or Coca-Cola that have just mm-hmm. per se stood the test of time that there's just no, uh, uh, fixation on that you know to gen z per se in in that so trying to you know be hey fellow kids you know with with them but simultaneously (laughs) trying to you know communicate who they are so you know as somebody who has uh four kids like my my kid is eight and she can't read cursive and so i mean there's some there's some reality to that but uh i don't know time will tell i guess what what do you Mm -hmm. what about you what do you guys think i have lots of thoughts on this (laughs) (laughs) of course wait first i just want to see i just want to see an eddie bauer rep replicating the hello fellow teenagers meme yeah. wearing like this yeah. down jacket and those right. big like yes. rubber puffy red coat boots. it has to be like, a puffy coat in light yeah, of everything yeah, you exactly, know puffy exactly. coat. i feel but like that'd be a really self-aware right ad yeah. if they, they did that. that'd be great <laughs> so i i actually personally think that this is a mm-hmm. terrible rebrand oh mm-hmm. however for mm-hmm. none of the reasons we've talked about that okay. being said specifically regarding to the things we've talked about i do Mm -hmm. think yes can gen z read cursive as well as previous generations and then the previous generation yeah probably not i remember going to like uh lord and taylor when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and me and my sister called it the squiggle store because not only was it cursive it Uh was like fancy like it wasn't incredibly clear you know, I never uh, went to Lord and Taylor till I was in like college. So that the fact one? that you guys are going as a kid, I'm just oh my gosh. I, I mean yeah, like, like yeah like you I know. you gotta forgive someone in grade school for not being able to read this, right? We just called it <laughs> no, the school. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, that's yeah. You know, but so the the Eddie mm-hmm. Bauer logo obviously it is a cursive. I think a, a middle ground could have been making it a slightly more legible cursive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. Yeah. It's not quite as bad as Lord and Taylor. I feel like they mm-hmm. maybe could have just there. There are certainly more legible mm-hmm. cursive logos. The original Instagram logo is something that, that comes to mind in this sort, mm-hmm. of, sort of situation. Um, I do think there is an extra sensitivity in the fashion world to this sort of like oversimplification of the logo. Uh, mm-hmm. I briefly uh, clicked on this yeah. before. Yeah, but this say, was it's the first thing I thought of for, yep. for yeah. a good while. Uh, and now mm-hmm. to be clear, Eddie Bauer is not high mm-hmm. fashion they're like no. you know upper middle class fashion we're not talking about any of these brands here uh, but yeah. there was a trend for a very good long uh time that burberry is actually just starting to kick uh, over the past uh, six months or so of like mm-hmm. taking your very stylized you know fancy logo and then just mostly mm-hmm. writing it in helvetica or Gala. Yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. idea mm-hmm. was it's it's helvetica is the new Sam timeless Seraph, yeah. right mm-hmm. it's something that it it it, it mm-hmm. effectively was built to have no personality therefore no matter what you put it on it can that it, it doesn't clash more yeah. or less right where there are some pieces where like that eve say laurent logo at the very top there yep like it does have a lot of personality and therefore mm-hmm. it also can clash with some of the stuff that's going on yeah so i i believe in the, in the world of fashion at least there's an extra sensitivity because people really have, got, have been over this sort of like mm-hmm. direction in the sans serif of like everything is just getting simplified to the point of it's all feeling the same 
Mm-hmm. That being said, that's not why I think it's a terrible rebrand. It's a terrible rebrand because Eddie Bauer is not the only person in the like uh, a little bit more expensive outerwear outdoorsy sort of feel. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's brands like North Face, but one of the largest competitors in the field, uh, probably one of the most well-known ones, especially if you start spending a little bit more money, is a company mm-hmm. called Canada Goose. What? Right? Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of this company before. Canada Uh, Goose. But it's Goose, too. Yeah. Canada Goose is like, they're like the high end. Like, if you're ready to spend $800 to $1,000 on a jacket, this is the thing that you're spending your money on. I don't have $800 to $1,000 to spend a jacket. And if I was, I wasn't going to spend it on Canada Goose. It'll be a couple other companies. But the Goose. It looks like I have to drive to Vancouver in order to access the Canada Goose uh, brand. They've got stuff. (laughs) They've got stuff in the States. I could promise you there. But yeah, man, you just come to Michigan. We're close enough. <laughs> the spaces that they're in are already so close. And I recognize mm-hmm. that there is yeah. a bit of heritage involved with the goose logo that they have going on. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of like trying to identify yourself in the very specific mm-hmm. small fashion world that you inhabit, which is outdoorsy thing. I feel like that, like that was a bad move. I feel like mm-hmm. they already have the goose thing. Canada goose is a, like, at least in that world, mm-hmm. very well known, very popular. I think it was a bad move. I don't think it has anything to do with the script necessarily. Mm-hmm. I, I think if if they went to their focus groups and they, uh, you know, interviewed a bunch of Gen Z kids, or mm-hmm. I guess some of them are adults <laughs> now, uh, uh, and said, hey, can you read this? Like, is this connecting with you? And they say no, then that was absolutely the right move to mm-hmm. try to simplify and clean up the logo because the logo doesn't belong to them. It doesn't belong to the old heads who already are wearing the clothes they're making it to bring in more customers so they're going to make a logo that speaks to those customers and if, mm-hmm. if you're upset by that i don't know what to tell you they're a business they're mm-hmm. trying to make money yeah uh i just i have a problem with the goose i think mm-hmm. that will lead to more confusion and i don't think they'll necessarily mm-hmm. be like a lawsuit over this sort of thing at all or anything like that yeah. but um I, I think it was a bad move in that regard. What is that yep. white blob and that Canada goose uh, that's happened? Like, what is that? I don't know, even know what that is. Uh, is that I, Canada? I, believe, I don't think it's all of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. Canada I, I, dr- I think, drawn by Americans. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry. We have we have quite a few Canadian individuals in our uh, Discord, and I can hear them all yelling at me right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, supposedly, that is the landmass of the Arctic. Uh, that oh, okay. Is like the North oh, very Mole, cool. Whatever. Like okay. That. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Cool. They're, yeah. Canada. Their their jackets are like they're they're like really really expensive ones are extremely heavy. Like people who climb mm-hmm. Mount Everest sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. This oh, cool. is going to be the kind of thing that they're wearing. That's cool. Interesting. Nice. So, guys, I guess I guess what I'm trying to connect here is uh, I really appreciate those different perspectives. I, I think the logo isn't necessarily bad. It's clean. It's simple. But I understand yeah. what you're saying, Caleb. So I'm trying to, like, rein it in for us, especially for mm-hmm. someone like you, Alex, who has a lot of connection and relationships with a, a, wide vari- a, a wide variety and range of churches in both scale and age. Like, mm-hmm. what can we learn from a rebrand mm-hmm. like this? Like, because I think in concept, what they did the process by why they got to where they are is decent. They researched their history. They assessed the demographic that they're trying to target. But then maybe, Caleb, you're saying that they should have been more aware of the general market that they're competing with. So what can churches, ministries, organizations within our spheres learn from this process? What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I mean, there's how many different Calvary churches are there? Or (laughs) first, first, I mean, first Baptist, first assemblies, life church, life upwards, inwards, outwards to the left song churches. Yeah, so I mean, like there is some commonality that you mm-hmm. that you'll need to differentiate, but that name yeah. is going to be different. You know, we here at the Baptist Convention, you know, we have uh, you know two thousand plus churches, and how many First Baptist City X mm-hmm. there are? You know, that yeah. are just known as First Baptist. But then when you get together, right. you're like, which First Baptist? You know. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is some things to learn from that. The how you know that you know how can you differentiate yourself to something mm-hmm. that is in a similar market and uh, being able to be able to understand how you can uh, communicate with the audience that you're trying to reach mm-hmm. or the audience that you're um, hoping to reach, you know, mm-hmm. they're maybe not getting as much a return on Gen Z as Gen Z is transitioning from, uh, you know, um, having disposable incomes, maybe can, you know, starting to have be in that middle class being able to see that and have an opportunity mm-hmm. to reach that new audience, creating mm-hmm. that. So um, I think that a church can learn that um, don't, I think in all these legacy brands that are like, you know, Johnson and Johnson and mm-hmm. Eddie Bauer that have these like long logo history and then they change it up. If you're changing it up for a reason to try to signal what you're trying to do in the future, I think that's mm-hmm. that's one thing. If you're trying to just change it up because oh, yeah. the kids can't read cursive, I mean, yeah, that's maybe it, something yeah. different. So yeah. I, I guess just the mm-hmm. why, why are you choosing to change something up? Because you need to have... Um, uh, baby's new or, or, uh, you know, uh, or, uh, meta, meta pro or whatever, uh, <laughs> and, uh, enter, you know, whatever Google font you're going to be yeah. doing in the moment or, uh, you know, with a nice, uh, fluid gradient background, because mm-hmm. that's like what everybody else is doing, or you're trying to do it for a specific reason. So not just mm-hmm. changing to change, but change for a purpose to reach yeah. the audience that you oh, yeah. not either have or the audiences that you want. That's what we talk about to our churches and to our yeah. ministries. Like, who are you currently reaching? But like, who would you mm-hmm. like to reach? Like, are you satisfied with that? Yeah. And, you know, if we're going to see, you know, are we, we, on this shirt, we have each church, mm-hmm. every life, each church can, every life counts. And if we really believe that each church can, mm-hmm. there's an individuality to that. But there's also understanding that every life is going to be different and how people approach that. So um, these, you know, we're the oldest convention and we have churches that are literally 200 years mm-hmm. old, some churches that are older than the mm-hmm. the country itself. And so wow, thus, right. and as they're rebranding, mm-hmm. they have to understand the history that it, mm-hmm. it that was there, but still communicate with a modern audience. So it's much like yeah. uh, the Johnson and Johnson, Eddie Bauer, where you're trying to still mm-hmm. cultivate that brand that has yeah. been built on before and right. go into the future. So, yeah, I love that. Man, I feel there's yeah. so much there too, that like, I'm even reminded of like the, the video Caleb that we did way, way back about logos and how is the cross, the right logo for the church. I even think we talked about St. Laurent in that, in that video. Um, but Alex, I love the point you make there because th- there are a lot of facets to look at before you redesign. And one of those that I think is really important is is your current logo. And this is something we talked about in that video. You know, you don't need to necessarily rebrand if your logo is saying the things that it needs to. If you're if you're changing your logo just to chase a um, a trend, like you're probably creating more work than you need to. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I you know my forte is not necessarily graphic design, but 
I do feel a little bit of hesitation and worry with all these other brands changing the way they have uh, just to fit this uh, this trend that seems to be going on and how they all mm. feel the same. And I think to your point, even about how like First Baptist, First Assembly, you know, that's that could become an even greater problem within the church world if all of a sudden all our logos look the same which they mm. might already um but like stylistically now they even look the same and they are even named the same like mm. what is differentiating us building to building at that point i i don't want to open like a can of worms because i know we have a larger mm. conversation to get into but i am curious sure. in in the context scale that you're you're pitching this eddie bauer logo against the this other canadian company that's in the same mm. kind of market you're saying the difficulty of this rebrand is that there is competition and you're gonna have to worry about that uh maybe caleb i, I know you've done several rebrands now what do you think yeah. that same mentality should be for churches because if, for if sure. you i, I don't want to be like so we always say the, the the evil marketing lizard brain at the end of the day churches are effectively if you're on the same community you're on the same city you're effectively mm-hmm. either fully partner with one another which is i think more rare or you're essentially competing for the same demographic the same market mm-hmm. and while you have mm-hmm. those churches having individual people that they should be focused on which we've talked extensively about what is the mentality that we should have as Christian media creators and uh, churches. And, you know, we're kind of in competition with one another, but how do we do, how do we, how do we Mm -hmm. navigate that without being just this person? That's like, I'm going to dominate this city Mm -hmm. and I will rebrand to make it. So like any, anyone Mm -hmm. can feedback, but I'm curious what you think about that. Sure. I'm, I'm always extremely hesitant to use the word competition when we're talking sure. about churches. Yeah. Right. I think that, uh, uh, don't any, skewer me for using, using no, competition. No, 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 no. I was using it for a little, no. and anyway, anyway, I mm-hmm. think that, uh, every church in existence should be working to, to meet needs that aren't currently being met. And if they're not mm-hmm. currently being met, that means that there's a, then a churches mm-hmm. aren't doing that. You should be going after people that are currently yet not being going like going after. Right. Um, and I know like even the church that I grew up in, there was a church immediately across the street. I went to assemblies of God, Pentecostal church and the church across the street was a, like a more, it was a Catholic church. Right. Mm-hmm. Were we in competition with each other? I don't like, those are two very different kinds of people that are going to go to mm-hmm. one or the other church. Right. Um, we might ha- be pulling from the same group of people geographically, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. say demographically. That being said, there are environments, uh, even when I think, back at Grand Rapids first, you could Mm -hmm. go down the street for three miles and pass six or seven churches in that area. Uh, There's just a ton of them, big churches, small Mm -hmm. churches, all sorts of different uh, uh, demographics. And I know even uh, there's a a logo that I'm uh, a rebrand project I'm working on right now for a church uh, Mm -hmm. where we had all the conversations of, of, you know, uh, who's your audience and what do you want Mm -hmm. them to feel and what sets you apart, yada, yada. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then one of the questions questions I asked towards the end is, are there any other churches in your area that do a lot of the same things that you do? And they came up with three or four of them. And we noticed a trend. Every single one of those had green logos, which is like, like, that's interesting. 
I mean, eighty mm-hmm. percent of churches are either blue or green, and then mm. the spicy ones are orange, no. right? Uh, so <laughs> spicy the, ones, yeah, yeah. We've got personality here. That's, that's what um, uh, so all of a sudden, like we were already starting to talk about colors. Green, I just crossed it straight off the list. Like you need nice. to figure out a way mm-hmm. to set yourself apart visually. Oh yeah, uh, in the same way that you're going to try to set yourself apart with mm-hmm. like the actual ministry. And, and, you know, your personality as, as a company. Uh, I, I do think um, something that, uh, so I think everything you guys said in regards to making sure that you're speaking to your audience is true. I think making sure that you're differentiating yourself from other people in, in your field is also good. I also think that's, that this is sort of me personally. And to be clear, I am not a, a uh, I'm not in the target demo of audio, demo, right? So like this stuff doesn't <laughs> speak to me personally and that's okay. Um, but if Eddie Bauer actually wants to hit Gen Z mm-hmm. people and even going past that into Gen Alpha, the logo is one of the last things I would worry about changing. It would probably mm. be the product first because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like the sort of like wintry wear, like mm-hmm. that's something everybody's going to need. It, it's not. Well, it might yeah. be getting warmer for We're not going to talk about that. For the <laughs> uh, uh, but the the uh, the actual fashion, like the the cut and the style and all that kind of like, does Eddie Bauer need uh, uh, like to start putting out lines every uh, few months mm-hmm. with like more fashion forward pieces. Mm. I would say, yeah. Like if they're actually trying to go for that market, the logo and the brand, sure. It can communicate an intention, but if the product isn't actually delivering for that demographic, you could have the catchiest logo mm-hmm. in the world. They're still not going to buy the product. Sure. Right. And in the same way, uh, like if you have a church that's 200 years old and it all mm-hmm. of a sudden the average age of the church is 60 and 70 and you mm-hmm. think, Oh, like let's hire, let's spend $10,000 on a logo rebrand. We don't charge $10,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and we're going to get like the coolest, trendiest thing out there. And you change nothing mm-hmm. about your service. It will yeah. not move the needle a single inch. Yeah. It needs yeah. to be a communication yeah. Of of what mm-hmm. you the, the your logo in general is a communication. Mm-hmm. It's saying what you can about what mm-hmm. is inside the box. Yeah. And if they buy mm-hmm. the product based on the box and open it up and something entirely different is there, mm-hmm. they're gonna return it. And they're yeah. never yep. going to buy from you again. You yeah. can mm-hmm. only lie once. Yeah. Is that <laughs> That's what I don't yeah. I, I, that's why I don't I don't like that churches overall and ministries overall put branding and visual identity as synonyms when they're not. The brand yeah. is who Ooh. you are. Like mm-hmm. and 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 a yeah. logo typeface mm-hmm. color is going to visually represent right. who you are. So mm-hmm. a brand is so to to your point. If you want to mm-hmm. change your brand, change the things that reflect mm-hmm. your brand, which are um, right. your your products, your marketing strategy, your uh, mm-hmm. messaging, and what color or typeface you use as downline, because that is what mm-hmm. visually represents those values yeah. downline of what you're trying to change. Right. So if you mm-hmm. have the same mm-hmm. product and just slap a new um uh you know helvetica mm-hmm. period you know on on it you know then you're good then you're mm-hmm. like it's the same thing just with a mm-hmm. fresh coat of paint so i, I think that's yeah. the biggest thing sometimes that i really try to drive home to our churches is 
that the brand is who you are, your message, messaging, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. But the visual identity is your logo and colors. And that should come after, after you understand. And if you know who they are, you know, Mm -hmm. we're in the process of that right now. Uh, If I gave you all the logos that represented the South Carolina Baptist convention, you would see a NASCAR really. And so we're trying to become (laughs) a branded house versus a house of brands. And we're doing that uh, by simple, by, deleting mm-hmm. so it's gonna look maybe more of that corporate um, minimalism but it's a minimalism purposeful because mm-hmm. we want everything we do to be representative of the South Carolina Baptist Convention yeah. if you go to yeah. this summer camp or go to this program or go to this event you may identify with that event with that audience but it never comes mm-hmm. back to us then we're not then we've created like this like little siloed community which is great to have people who are like minded in that community but it never goes yeah. back to the large Larger goal of like we are a collective and a cooperative uh, of churches that you know are one family kind of going towards one mission together mm-hmm. through one cooperative effort. So that's kind of where I, I just that's kind of my pet peeve that branding and visual identity are kind of like synonyms sure. when they're 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 yeah. not you know kind of a thing. So you're right on the money that. there. Yeah, right on the money. I, I feel like we can keep talking about this, but we do have another conversation mm-hmm. as well. I love that. Thank you guys for sharing. Um, and as always, if you have questions uh keep us keep us posted guys um follow those brands uh there's a lot we can learn from just observing how other people are doing things which is awesome um so we'll head into kind of our main conversation here um alex uh we connected with him uh, a bit back and he was we, we've been talking a lot about ai and and you know if, if you've been watching any of our videos ai comes up very often because it's so relevant and, and prevalent to our field at the moment mm-hmm. yeah but the kicker is is, and I understand it, I respect it, I think we all do, is that there's a lot of thoughts about the fear of what mm. it could do for yeah. us mm-hmm. and how it could impact us. But right. Alex sure. has got a little bit of an uh, a little bit of a thought that'll kind of kick off our main topic today. So Alex, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of my favorite uh, web series that I watch is called Everything Black is a Bar? Remix. Yes, Black Bar uh, <laughs> uh, on YouTube. YouTube.com slash BLK, B-A-R, not B-A-R. Hey, hey there it is. Shout out. There it is. Uh, YouTube.com slash SC Baptist. There you go. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, uh, and and he uh, Kirby Ferguson, he's Canadian, so shout out to my Can- mm-hmm. our Canadian viewers. And he talks about the, the theme out- today. Hey, hey, <laughs> oh, you know, we got the red in the background, you know, so we're, we're on. We're on. Um, so he his thesis is that all creativity is is literally copying, transforming, and combining. Mm-hmm. Like when we learn how to make anything from the time we're a kid, we copy from imitating mm-hmm. our parents to mm-hmm. literally sitting in the class and looking at the teacher and copying. Mm-hmm. Like that is how we learn, right? You know, the famous quote is that you know Steve Jobs says, "Great artists copy, good art, good artists copy, great artists." And he stole that quote from Pablo Picasso. So like he is even in that statement doing the copying, right? right? You know, 
transformative, you know, taking something that already exists and making a slight subtle variation and then making it new. You know, mm-hmm. I know there's some gamers on this call, you know, uh, Alexei Pajanov <laughs> from uh, who made Tetris, you know, in Soviet Russia mm. in the 80s. You know, he played a game called Petromino uh, in, you know, where these five piece sets of blocks that kind of came together. He deleted one of the pieces because it would create less pieces to make Tetraminos, which became Tetris. And so he just made that subtle transformation to make Tetris. So he well, copied it and transformed it to make this new things. And then, yeah. you know, com- com- you know, combining things that already exist. So like as a, as church communicators, like, you know, you've, probably heard me nerd out a lot about Gutenberg, but, you know, as Gutenberg being like this great inventor, but Gutenberg uh, combined elements of the hydraulic press of the, of movable type and of ink that already existed. So he combined those into this new thing called uh, the printing press. So when we, when humans do it, we are okay with it. When machines start to copy, you know, copy has this bad rap, you know, or when they're transforming mm-hmm. something, uh, you know, uh, generative AI, they're transforming something to something new or combining these things that already exist that, you know, kind of, kind of becomes kind of, that's kind of where the fallout starts to happen, you know, and the creating of fear is nothing new, like, right. Like mm-hmm. storytellers have for centuries have used this technology into the hands of people, you know, think about Prometheus, Prometheus, right. He stole mm-hmm. the guy, he stole fire from Zeus and then the whole liver thing every, you know, every day for the mm-hmm. rest, you know, like, he stole yep. that power. And then, you know, Frankenstein's monster, which is actually subtitled as the modern Prometheus, you know, he in his hubris wanted to create something alive and then we transform, you know, to Hell 9000 and Terminator and the list goes on and on. We all like all wrapped in that is the desire to make something or to get something and there's that fear that kind of goes into that. Right now, you know, we're you know, that, you know, we're, we're, we're fearful of like that our jobs are going to be eliminated, that the word that have a loss mm-hmm. of livelihood, that there's new ideas and systems is coming that, you know, all the deep fake stuff. We can talk about that in a second. Oh, but yeah. when I think about that, I think of what is the verse and what is the phrase that is in the Bible more than anything else. And it's that phrase of do not fear. You want to look at something mm-hmm. freaky, you know, look the, uh, like uh, what an angel actually like looks like, <laughs> bro. It's, it's mm-hmm. not like the little halo and wings and all that nice <laughs> little with a little harp bro it's like of course they would say do not fear because like <laughs> that's what i would do right and so i just feel, mm-hmm. feel like that that's interesting that like we're fearful we're trying to create you know we have hubris to make something ourselves and we're okay with that but when a machine does it it starts to get into this oh no 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 but if everything is the remix if there's nothing that is a new idea there's nothing new under the sun then then nothing is thing we have all emulating our creator who has created everything so thus we ourselves haven't created every anything we've just transformed copied or combined it mm-hmm. and so that's kind of the the kind of the light bulb moment for me that just like that in all of this that we're 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 okay that 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 uh we it's okay when we do it 
but it's not okay when machines are doing it. And then just how deep down the rabbit hole you want to go with share and, and, you know, uh, auto tune or you, you know, all these, you know, do you cite Photoshop when you use that, you know, is that real? Like, it's just a slippery slope of all this, where if you, if you remember that the Lord has said, do not be afraid. And therefore I have made all things new. And the, the, uh, the true author of creativity is the creator, you know, then you haven't created anything. You are just emulating the creator in that. And I think that that's mm-hmm. going to be a hit up touch point because the hubris and the pride that's attached for like, no, I made this. Like I I'm a guy who like wants to will things into existence and like, mm-hmm. here's this thing I made, but I didn't make that. I saw this thing and this thing, and I saw this church do this thing. And I was scrolling Instagram at two in the morning and I saw this idea. And then I put it all in my head and I made it into a new thing. Like that's how, the, the AI is just doing it at a bazillion times faster. So mm-hmm. I, I th- guess that that's just where I start to get into that fear being a driver of mm-hmm. why churches have such a resistance to that. Al- Alex, mm-hmm. um, um, Alexander Graham Bell, he tried to give a patent of some kind of film projector to his church. They rejected him. You know, well, like it's just the church is mm-hmm. like ha- the church is uh hubris if you will sometimes in their reaction to technology because they feel like it's them trying to replace god versus using it as a tool mm-hmm. for god be it uh the dude from mm-hmm. um the dude from uh uh from life church that created uh you know Bobby Goodenwald who created you know Bible app or you know Billy Graham mm-hmm. who's a great preacher but he used you know he used technology so i don't know yeah. i just feel like all that is like that you know the ethics of mm-hmm. ai start to get into that it just the the core of everybody's kickback is fear mm-hmm. and if yeah. we look scripturally the lord says for us do not be afraid for behold i have made all things new and that mm-hmm. that encompasses it all do not be afraid behold right. because i have made mm-hmm. all things new so that's mm-hmm. kind of yeah. that's kind of my point man of where where i'm kind of been working through right now about Brad Alex on to preach. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 We're still no, getting no, a little is, Bapticostal. This is, I apologize. This is great. <laughs> I think a, a good chunk of what you were talking about mm-hmm. towards the beginning, it definitely lines straight up with something we've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. I know it's been a, like a personal thing for me for a long time, which is there's no such thing as an original idea. That every yeah. idea is a combination of the things yep. that you've experienced and, yep. you know, taken in over the course of your life. And you're just mm-hmm. mixing it together hopefully in a new way and an yep. interesting way and a non-derivative way like we talked mm-hmm. about last yep. week mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah um I, I think the easiest example to think of that I, i've used a handful of times is when you think about mythical animals in general mm-hmm. uh whether that be a unicorn or i don't know a pikachu uh you will have a very <laughs> hard time thinking of one uh, that isn't sort of Pikachu. just like an animal that already exists, but, and then something mm-hmm. on top of that, Merge right? An animal, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's impossible for us mm-hmm. to come up with the idea of something, even mm-hmm. we, like, maybe there's aliens out there. What do they look like? I don't know, us, but green, and they have bigger eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's always just things that exist and yeah. tweaked because I don't believe we have the ability mm-hmm. to have a complete, that was God's job. Mm-hmm. We've just been remixing mm-hmm. it from the entire time. I do think there's mm-hmm. a, a question worth asking though, uh, is like, yes, I do believe we've mm-hmm. all been copying and, and, and sort of twisting mm-hmm. around or whatever. Is there an unethical way of doing that 
as a person? Mm-hmm. Is there an unethical of way copying? to copy? Right. Uh, I mean, immediately I'd say that, like, you know, if you if you're doing a one to one copy, right, there's no mm-hmm. transformative thing in there. And then right. you say, this is mine. Right. We would sure. call that plagiarism. We would call sure. that yes. a counterfeit. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so if you I mean, like literally just stole something off the shelf yeah. and said, I made this, mm-hmm. I, I think we would agree. If, if like, let's say, let's say, you know, so like Banksy is a relatively famous artist. Everybody's probably sure. be familiar with his art style, whoever Love he is. Uh, apparently, Actually, I heard they found out, found out yeah. who he is. Yeah. yeah. They found out who he was now. Apparently. Mr. Brainwash. That's who he is. Anyways. Like, you know, if Nick, you decided to become like mm-hmm. an expert Banksy replicator and like you are making I mean, it, you're making the stuff, but you, you have managed yeah. to mm-hmm. come up with effectively forgeries of Banksy that are mm-hmm. like a hundred percent, like nobody can tell the sure. difference. And then you start yeah. selling them. It, are we cool with that? Only I, if we call I, it Nixie. That's what I, <laughs> from Banksy to Nixie. That's, that's what I would want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's where that's where like copyright law. Like I yeah. tell my wife all the time, mm-hmm. like if I had another career, I would love mm-hmm. to be an intellectual uh, property attorney <laughs> because I just find right. that yeah. whole world fascinating that somebody mm-hmm. can like own an idea. Mm-hmm. Did Banks because I would say no, because mm-hmm. Banksy probably looked like he's a spray paint artist. Like mm-hmm. the, he right. was obviously inspired by some spray paint artist before for him Mm -hmm. and so thus that's just where i think it starts to just all get broken down you know like well Mm -hmm. automation it's it's the pace it's the automation you know that they're Mm -hmm. doing you know they're they're replacing whatever you know drum machines uh for Mm -hmm. a a hip-hop artist in the 60s would feel like science fiction to them like you know i can sample anything and just hit a button and like go back and forth and whatever Mm -hmm. like that's that's crazy and so like hip-hop is such a Mm -hmm. you know form of that because they're they're trans making transformative derivative works but i what i find interesting Mm -hmm. is that if you ask any hip-hop head tell me like a cover of a hip hop, mm-hmm. and the only song that I can think of is uh, Snoop Dogg's "Lottie Dottie" coming off of Slick Rick's "Lottie Dottie," and uh, and mm-hmm. and other than that, what I'm saying is is that there that that every right. work of hip hop is mm-hmm. transformative, and it's not just a regurgitation of mm-hmm. what's happened before it. And so, to me, there's always to be some kind of little work. So if 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 Nick is making his own Banksy copies, mm-hmm. there's still some kind of d- you know, like difference in the material that you use or maybe the paint mm-hmm. that you use, something like that. So I, I just mm-hmm. think that um, what is the difference between um, transformative work and derivative work mm-hmm. and fair use and how all that is going down? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully, the Ed Sharon case landed where it was, where we can't copyright mm-hmm. chord structures, you know, yeah. like, you know, there's yeah. the print there's the Prince Prince mm-hmm. case, you know, and uh, like how all that works, you know, like, so to me, this is a very real conversation of mm-hmm. like just how copying 
is Mm -hmm. just to me, it has this bad Mm -hmm. taste in the mouth. But like, would you call your kid writing something on a piece Mm -hmm. of paper that he saw on the board? Would you call that Mm -hmm. like uh, copyright infringement or plagiarism? I mean, (laughs) kind of is, but but it's not because like that's how they're learning. They're not selling Mm -hmm. it to their Etsy shop. Like, you know, here's like, you know, maybe they Mm -hmm. are to their classmates to like, you know, with their. (laughs) I think the example of hip hop is such a unique and like Mm -hmm. on on part example because like so many beats rise and fall off of sampling mm-hmm. content that people had to use that had to create mm-hmm. and had been used and reformatted for years and years and i think that's just such a i don't know it, it, it's so interesting to think about the uh, like mm-hmm. it i love the the videos that come along on reels or tiktok or whatever that talk mm-hmm. about how someone sampled this 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 to yeah. adjust transform create into their new hit and mm-hmm. that's I think as long as they're respectful and understand where the the attribution of that content goes, like mm-hmm. people are okay with that within the within the field because that's what that's the bread and butter of the of the genre. Um, I don't know. I just I just think that's an interesting interesting angle on it. Yeah, I, I mean it's the 50th year of of hip hop, and so like a lot of that has been coming to light, you know, now and you know you know that people are afraid of the new. I think that that is kind of the thing they were afraid of hip hop that it was all. Um, you know, it it has a history wrapped in it that we don't have to go into that necessarily. But maybe there was afraid of that now, and and now it's kind of been derivative to where it is today. And I think this as people are afraid of the new thing, um, and and I think that churches are always slow to adopt things because they don't want to. I mean, on juxtaposed to the previous conversation, in some ways they want to do the new logo that is looks like something current but at the end but then sometimes they're very slow to adopt because they don't they think it's messing with who they are and i think that like example the other day i used 11 labs to take our executive director treasure and i wrote down something that he would say in 11 labs and i showed it to everybody and they're like yeah and what's your point and like well this isn't this isn't our executive director treasure this is this is 11 lambs. And they're like, what, what is going on? And there's awesome. Like there's automatically that like, Whoa, this is scary. We're all going to replace everything like that. But, and yeah, you're right. You know, churches need to look out for stuff like that and be aware, you know, because if you're a pastor, if you're a leader, ministry leader, if you're knowing that people's, um, voices could be replicated, you know, either you're going to be accused potentially maybe down the road of saying something you didn't, or somebody really said something that they didn't. And they're just going to say, well, that's not me. That's AI. Right. So I think that that's where, like, that's where we have some educational pieces to our churches and leaders in that community and that about it, that, you know, where, uh, that it's the hubris of like wanting to just know everything is when, when we don't know anything, it creates unease to that. And that's why I just go back to that verse, behold, for I have made, all, you know, do not be afraid, for behold, I make all things new, because that's kind of the essence of everything wrapped together. Don't be afraid, right. because I'm the one who's making something new. Yeah. So, it, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. anyways. In Eleven Labs being a generative AI text-to-speech and voice cloning tool, yep. uh, right. yes. FYI, for those who don't yes. know. Yeah. Nick, I know you had something that you wanted to say. I can tell yeah. Caleb's mind's yeah. uh, wheels are moving, <laughs> but Nick, mm-hmm. you go ahead first. I was going to say, uh, to Caleb's earlier point, I don't th- it, uh, we might have missed what Caleb was saying there um i don't think it was more of like nick is creating his own banksy inspired stuff caleb you're saying like 
Nixie. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> uh, but you're saying like, I'm taking Banksy's work in one-to-one reproduction of it, which I think we, uh, another way to look at that would be a cover band. So like uh, a, a Beatles cover band, right? We don't go to a Beatles cover band because we want to hear it new. We want to hear the Beatles, but that doesn't exist so much anymore. So in that regard, it is a, a trying to be as sincere of a one-to-one copy. And we would consider that art not wrong so i i (laughs) my point actually goes along really well with that so Mm -hmm. the uh alex was talking previously about in the world of hip-hop um that the idea of like sampling is like bread and butter foundational to the genre of hip-hop and that Mm -hmm. all of the sounds that you're hearing now uh well not all of them but many of them are from like old records that came out a decade five decades ago and have been like kind of up restrewn and everything it's it's amazing to go look at like the sample breakdowns of some of the songs that you know Kanye West is a master at it. He's crazy now, but he, he's also very good at it. Agreed on both points. Agreed on yeah, point, both points. the second time we've talked about right. Yeah, this is Kanye two weeks in a row. I'm still mourning the loss of my boy. Uh, I know. The, I know. The, right there. Right there. Uh, um, so, so this idea of like copying and like twisting around and, and, and making something new out of it is very foundational. And also, like Alex said, the idea of, of copying, like covering wholesale hip-hop covers are not a thing you will never find a hip-hop artist that's just like i'm gonna do his song at my show that never happens that is like very much like biting it's built into the culture of the mc this is stuff they wrote and the idea of cop like that is just about as as bad as you get to the point of where like some rappers will be paranoid about it i know like mf doom is someone who is like every rapper's favorite rapper uh and their his rhymes and his, his schemes get stuck in people's head and they're mm-hmm. concerned about accidentally copying uh other rappers and that's a whole thing now so i'll put all that right there now with the world of rock, the idea mm-hmm. of covering a song is relatively mainstay. And a lot of the concerts you go to, it's not uncommon to have even like well-known famous artists be like, okay, we're just going to do their song and we're going to put our band's twist on it. And that's yeah. a mm-hmm. very normal, very like culturally understood thing to do. That being said. That was like the bread and butter of our local music scene. Right. Is right. like they would play two of their songs, but but mashed in between two really popular emo songs that would right. absolutely get exactly. the crowd engaged. You even look at something like Punk Goes Pop, which is an entire yes. <laughs> like multiple albums sure. where it's like Left it's like it's post-hardcore and alternative like versions of taking music that was already covered, but then making new content from it, right. which some right. artists honestly have found their mainstream awareness because of it and they don't even get to hear the the band's original content until the person finds them through the cover yeah and that's what actually got ed sharon and like like that like that's how he was discovered he was doing a cover of let's get it on and that's what started this whole mess so sorry (laughs) interrupted you no yeah but i think the interesting point is the idea in rock music of like oh i really loved the guitar solo from black sabbath's whatever blah 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 i'm gonna grab that and put in my song that would not be okay the idea of like biting Mm -hmm. a part of a song and inserting into your like effectively sampling that would not be okay in that world and i think this is sort of a fascinating example of the ethics of copying are like context specific 
right? It's yeah. a moral relativism, so to say. I know that's a scary <laughs> thing to say. In the world of like replicative art. And I think the concern of AI is it doesn't have any of those contexts. And all of us individually have our own understanding and our own worldview of what is okay copying. Some people might okay with the, the Nixie uh, complete Yes, it's catching on. <laughs> right? Is and this some the new social might, thing? <laughs> some might be totally fine with it, right? Uh, mm -hmm. um, and the, I think the scariest thing is like all you're doing is making it so much easier for people who, who are bad actors to take advantage yeah. of that, to not only make themselves money, but to de decrease the value of somebody else's work, right, is sort of the big mm -hmm. concern. Um, so I, I think all that to say, I legitimately and completely, totally understand the concerns that people have, the fears surrounding it. Do I feel like, to some extent, too bad, suck it up, we're going this way anyway, and there's nothing you can do about it? <laughs> Yeah, also that, right? Um, but I do think there's something to be said about like the ethics of copying that it's not black and white. It's very much gray. It's very much culture and context dependent. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're never going to come to a single answer that we all agree on for every scenario. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to, sorry, if you don't mind, I no, think if we're going to talk about the fears surrounding AI, we can't also miss, I mean, it sounds like copying uh, the ethical implications of that copying and remixing. We can't also miss the fear of losing jobs, losing livelihoods, losing, um, you, you know, losing experience. So I want to make sure that we don't also miss that fear. I want to advocate for the person who's anti-AI to help bridge that extra element that we haven't touched on yet, which is are people's jobs, livelihoods, experiences being taken away because of this tool? Um, and you could say that same thing about probably a lot of technology over the years. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of jobs that no longer exist because technology replaced them. However, there were new jobs and roles that were needed as a result of the technological advancement. So just want to touch on that fear so they don't, don't miss that before we move on to kind of some of the more what should we do about it elements. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that specific component is, is that, you know, Artists, art has always been getting cheaper faster since the printing press and the printing press supplanted the monks who literally were copying on parchment mm -hmm. the Bible like so the right. Bible moved forward faster faster and the Reformation got you know catapulted into existence through the printing press but in the process it replaced the monks who were painstakingly by hand with a quill right. and parchment writing every single word so yes their jobs got replaced for sure but it from that spurred on the reformation through this new technology and right. so i think the question is not will it replace jobs but will it replaced the people who do not incorporate it into their workflow because mm. we've been using right. lots of different things. Photoshop, like, you mm -hmm. know, uh, it, like it goes on, you know, Canva, you know, mm -hmm. and Squarespace, you know, I'm not going to hire a designer to do. So it's a race to the bottom of who can be the cheapest per se, or it's, right. I'm going to find my specific niche or I'm going to be the, uh, the luxury the luxury version of this right. to have that. So those are kind of, that's just kind of all walks of life, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. I, well. I, I know I've used this example on the show before, but I remember seeing an extremely old comic of mm -hmm. a couple of horses yeah. talking in like yeah. 1905. And they were looking at like the model a driving by. And yeah. one horse says, 
you know, this is going to make our job so much easier, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, um, the other horse said like, you know, but like if, if they, everybody gets cars, like, what are we going to do? And the other horse says back, Oh, don't worry. They'll find other better jobs for us. Right. And then the population of horses over the past hundred years has shrunk down to like 10% of right. what it used to be. Cause we don't need them anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So is this going to kill jobs a hundred percent million percent? It's going to kill jobs. Uh, like, uh, even, I mean, I can talk about it a little bit now. I'm running a Dungeons and Dragons campaign that is very <laughs> extremely involved doing a lot of extra stuff mm-hmm. and animating, uh, bits and pieces. All of the art of it was AI generated, heavily edited by myself <gasps> in Photoshop and all that. Caleb, right, right. how could you? Uh, yeah, I know, I know. I did a ton of work to get it to be exactly because everybody was very particular about what their character portraits look like. Yes, yes, that I was. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but that could have been work that I was paying an illustrator to do. Hundreds of dollars, mm-hmm. no, for the amount of art I was, I needed thousands of dollars. It really, realistically, would have been. That's a job that evaporated. Now, it's a thing that wouldn't have happened because I don't have the budget to pay someone thousands of dollars to do that, right? Um, but I do think if you are an artist in the field, if you're a creator in the field, and right now we're talking about illustration, but you, you better believe it's coming for video. It's coming for design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, As for we sure. saw in the Adobe Max, uh, they're already starting to make text to template to make yes. like Photoshop like mm-hmm. flyers and stuff out of text prompts, right? Yep. Um, right. Uh, the, 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 if, if, there are a couple different ways to survive, but the main one primarily is going to be get good at the tools. The tools right. will still be a barrier of entry for people. Some executive at the big company is not going to want to figure out how to do prompt generation to get him a logo that he likes. He's still Correct. going to want to hire somebody, right? Correct. So you got to figure out in the same way, like if you were a monk painstakingly mm-hmm. write down the Bible, it's time to figure out how to work a printing press, right? Like Correct. if you, mm-hmm. unless you're willing to change fields, right incorporate it or die. That's yeah. I know that's a harsh way to put it, yeah, but I think yeah. that's yep. sort of the reality. The problem I see with that is that like well, let's take the monks for example. There were I'm gonna say dozens or probably more, you know, dozens of monks working towards the same goal. And one right. printing press probably was operated by let's say three people. So right. we go from 24 individuals to three. You know, mm-hmm. there's 21 individuals and now don't have work. And, you know, I heard it said somewhere, and I think it's very true. AI is not going to take your job. It's going to the person what's going to take your job is the person who knows how to leverage it. Correct. Right. And it, right. that the scarcity is going to be, can you get to that finish line first? Mm-hmm. And I, I can imagine it's a bit of a scary thing to say, but I think it's true is if if people aren't working to learn and understand these tools, the people that are doing it now while you're not are, are going to be the ones that keep their jobs. I yeah, do, I, I do want to add one small thing in there that, that's sort of worth noting. When the Bible is specifically was being replicated by only people who were writing it by hand, the only people who had Bibles were very rich mm-hmm. people. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. After the printing press press was developed, yes, it took less people to make every Bible, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden the cost of the Bible shrunk so much. Sure. Correct. That everybody mm-hmm. could get it. There was because the economy mm-hmm. the economy of scale, right? As the price mm-hmm. went down, yes. it became more accessible everybody. Now more Bibles mm-hmm. are needed. You need more people to make the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's it's going to be a shift, even with the people who are incorporating AI. 
it, you will still you'll have to move at a pace faster because the value of what you're making has technically shrunk, which means mm-hmm. you'll need to make more of it. But because the value has shrunk, there may be more people who are now willing to spend this amount of dollars on what yeah. used, used to cost this amount of dollars mm. on whatever product it is that you're creating. And it also creates opportunities for other people to their voices. You know, I was telling people like right. uh, yeah. today, like we got these little pop mics, right? You know, the $40, $50 pop mics, you know. Yep. Sennheiser EW 500, you know, a couple years back, that's like $600. So it's going to create more opportunities for people to have that, you know, to share their voice. We have this little magazine, this uh, ministry plan that we put out of all the stories of our churches. And we have a, uh, a gal here uh, that is in a closed country that we can't show her face. So we described to mid journey, what she looks like. And now people can visualize what this person looks like so they can see that. And now we Mm -hmm. have her. So let's say, she leads somebody to the Lord. We can now create that. It's no more of a visual representation than the visual representation that people have of Jesus, be right, wrong, or indifferent, that, Mm -hmm. you know, that helps you visually understand the story a little bit better. Uh, I'm a foster kid. I can never, as a kid, I could never get photographed. But if we Mm -hmm. wanted to tell a story of me now, I could create a Mm -hmm. Alex character and now we could tell that story in a visual perspective. And, you know, like when you read Mm -hmm. a book, it may not be what you look like in your head, but now you have a visual jump off point to be able to do that. So there's ways to use AI ethically. And, you know, we say in the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. portions of the stories, portions of the photos mm-hmm. were utilized to, uh, you know, using AI. We use um, AP mm-hmm. as our like uh, writing style. And AP has now gone on record since August saying that they do not use AI tools period, because they think that it kind of affects journalistic integrity. And so like, you know, we are kind of like, well, we use AP for our style, but they say that they don't use AI. We want to use AI ethically. How do we bridge those gaps? And so I think that's where, you know, not to say that it is a gray area, but it is, you know, there is some relativism in that, how you do that. So to us, we're telling the stories accurately and in a, you know, by being forthright and saying what we're doing and crediting, but we're not saying like this photo was, uh, uh, you know, was edited in Photoshop and it's, you know, like this, this is not how blue this water was, you know, like we made it bluer, you know, like we're not saying that, you know, we have adjusted color saturation. And so I think the Mm -hmm. generative AI component is, is the differentiation that people have to understand. AI has been utilized for Mm -hmm. years without you even know it's Siri, all of that, like, you know, but the generative AI that you're making something new and different, that it's always going to need some kind of prompt or something. And so it will never fully replace. Yes, the monks will go away, but there will be somebody that will need to understand and press the button or give the new idea. You know, it's, you know, uh, yesterday, it's dating the podcast, but yesterday, OpenAI had their you know, their little conference and it's now up to April, 2023. So like now it's indexing that much of the internet, but now Mm -hmm. it's not going to be able, someday it may be current, but somebody has to continually come up with that content or it's going to, you know, be in on itself. So I think humans who are the Imago day, it's, I I might be preaching a little bit, so I apologize about that, but like, it's no different than like, Mm -hmm. than like, you know, people who love their pets, right? 
and that's okay. But you know, it, it's but a human is made in the imago day in the image of God. That if you love technology and you're leveraging in it, I think that that's okay. But understanding that still humans are the image bearers of God as the imago day, and there is a distinction from that separation, and that it's a tool that we could utilize in that capacity. And yeah, it may have some fallout for people along the way, but. It, that's just kind of how technology advances. There's always going to be fallout of something along the way. And so I think churches have a fear of it just because that if they don't fully understand it, that's where they kind of get a little intimidated. And so I'm just appreciative that you guys are doing what you're doing to help educate churches and ministers and those who are watching this just to be able to talk to your pastor like, very uh, talk to your pastor or you are the pastor and just kind of think through like, where are some things that we want to say hard line? No, we're not going to use AI in this way. We're not going to write our sermon by typing in, write me a sermon in the chat GPT right. and, and just spitting it out. Like there needs to be some kind of human check at the end of the line. Don't just let it go to, go to town. Um, but maybe, Oh, Hey, it's okay. I'm going to do a sermon series on this subject. And it's a very vague subject. I don't know. Come up with a graphic that could be something like this and, you know, then catapulting from that. So I think, uh, those guidelines that each, uh, church would have would be able to, um, just be helpful in, in, in consulting that knowledge. So, so if you have things in the comments or in the chat or all that, we'd love to hear how you could, um, be able to, uh, you know, how is your church using AI? What, are, what are maybe some questions you have about that? You know, that'd be, that'd be great because I, I, I just appreciate Black Bar. You guys are trying to continually help people and that this, you know, help this change that is happening. So I just appreciate y'all. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for thinking that way, man. I appreciate that to, to continue that thread. If we can, again, I'm trying to just think from the perspective of someone who is still having a hard time coming along this. I think the, the most tangible questions to get to where you're arriving to, Alex, is what should we do about it? What does a framework or guideline look like for using AI ethically within church and ministries? I feel like that getting practically into that might help bridge the gap between someone who is still on the fence about leveraging technologies. Because you guys have kind of said uh, it's happening. <laughs> get on board or get left behind. And that's a that's a hard thing for someone to feel, especially if they consider themselves an artist in a traditional medium. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think the next steps are? What, what does it look like to develop a guideline for your community? Mm -hmm. I think to some extent, like I said earlier, this is a world of gray and the lines you draw are to some extent going to be mm -hmm. your own. Um, that being said, personally, I think where I would draw the line is transparency, transparency, transparency. When you do Amen. use AI for the time being, you know, until maybe something changes in the future, but mm -hmm. you got to tell people <laughs> like it's got to be yeah. where it could be the finest fine print at the bottom, you know, whatever. But even like I know the specific example that Alex brought up of the missionary uh, in the, the third world country that's a restricted area. I know we, we we had a conversation about that specifically, but that was still sort of in progress. And we yeah, Alex, we kept that. your name out of it and the location. <laughs> so now that you've officially come yeah, out, yeah. Of it, it's <laughs> uh, but the 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 I think transparency is like, yeah, you could use the AI generation image if they know it's an AI generated image. 
And then I don't think, right. you know, people can make their own decisions. But I think no one will have an issue about that if they if they don't feel like they've been fooled, if they don't mm. feel like they've been taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, uh, and so we don't need more churches lying to people. That, that's <laughs> that's fine. Uh, so oh boy. I, I anyway, anyway, for me, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be that would be sort of my yeah. first big line in the sand when you're using it. Just mm-hmm. transparency. It. Yeah. In a, in a culture that is distrusting, the currency yeah. is, uh, of, uh, is trust. And if, you know, it's gained quickly, mm-hmm. it's gained uh, slowly and lost quickly. And so to be transparent, to be trust, to build trust, you need to be transparent in that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, the currency of AI is trust and transparency, I think is a good generalized uh, statement. Um, as far as a specific statement, and I mean, we're the South Carolina Baptist Convention, and we have of a, you know, some of our annual meetings and our annual meeting, we do like these resolutions, which are kind of these statements. And I don't want to talk about all the statements that are happening, but specifically this, the, uh, SC Bapt- uh, the Southern Baptist convention is the first, um, uh, religious institution to make a actual eth- uh, ethical statement on the mm-hmm. use of AI. So you can look that up and it has a lot of whereas, thus for, whereas, etc. Sure. So I don't want to read the whole thing, but it basically says humans are humans and God is God and God uses uh, many things to propel his work forward. And so we don't want, we want to make sure that we maximize the efficiency we can, not at the expense of others, but to consider the, the propelling of the the gospel forward. I mean, that's kind of what it says in a nutshell. It has a lot more legalese and et cetera. And whereas in death force, but like, to me, if you took that document and now from that wrote some kind of statement, like when we are in a big busy season, but once we come out of that, we're going to write something that is in more like practical terms coming out of this statement that we can utilize to help our churches as that statement, just like churches are wanting a statement about, um, certain various other cultural things. They want some kind of thing that they can pull from. Uh, mm-hmm. We hopefully that we can have that as a, as a thing to, to, again, humans are humans and they're made by a creative God. Humans are made in the Imago Dei. He has used technology throughout history to propel the church forward. And so we're going to use it with these guardrails in this capacity. Right. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's what I would say as far as like, uh, like a brass tax right now, kind of like mm-hmm. a framework or guideline that that, and that's, again, that's new as of like june so by time this podcast who knows maybe there's some other churches i don't know i mean do you guys know of any other churches that like don't. have like no. a guard rise this is how we use ai this is not how we and that's just fascinating to me that like um mm-hmm. i mean i came out of the assemblies like y'all you know are in the you know or in or in, have assemblies history like so mm-hmm. that i wouldn't expect i wouldn't have expected that um a more mainline denomination like uh, says Baptist would create would be one of the people on the forefront of that. So there's a there's I'm kind of excited that we're being able to do that in a, in a way, you know, and be able to have that and I uh, and just seeing where the other denominations can like start to mm-hmm. build that as well, so that we can see those kind of guardrails uh, come into play. So um, I mean that's that 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 would be a good thing to see. You know, just look up SBC resolution on artificial intelligence and. 
And, uh, you know, that can give you a kind of a guidepost of like kind of, or sorry, guideline of how you're kind of going through and building out that framework for those funnels, but transparency. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you have a policy, you know, how you use it and how you don't use it. And, uh, I think that, that, you know, general, some churches have super, a lot of policies, some churches have it in somebody's head. So anyways, right. Yeah. 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 I'm curious. Uh, I do a lot of work. Nick and I both do a lot of work with uh, the national office for the assembly specifically. And it does make me wonder if someone, hopefully mm-hmm. someone down there is thinking about this and yeah. trying to figure out a way to sort of rationalize uh, their beliefs yeah. with this very new, very, mm-hmm. very disruptive technology, yeah. whether they realize it or not. So if we're, if we're practically ending this conversation, you know, cause we're starting to get to the end. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think you guys would do if you got to sit down uh, it sounds like sitting down and developing and establishing a clear framework is one of the most important things. And a large mm-hmm. element of that is transparency. Um, yeah. If you guys were in uh, encouraging our community to figure out how to have that conversation, what other elements do you think are necessary? Because it feels like just sitting down mm-hmm. and talking yeah. is important because clarity leads to unity. So having mm-hmm. an initial conversation of clarity to get on the same page is a baseline. Making sure your lead pastor, making sure your executive board has an understanding is is and is on the same page as you about the technology you're using. You know, these are conversations we had when COVID hit. Does your pastor and pastoral staff have an idea of where you're going together toward technology? So that feels like the biggest umbrella. An element of that seems like transparency. What other elements do you think are necessary offhand that you guys yeah. would recommend? I feel like there's something that we need that might be for the individual that's worth looking at. I think about uh, you know, in my world of video editing, there's a lot of tools that already exist and have existed for some time um, that uh, probably don't make much sense anymore uh, in terms of why they're called what they called, right? Like the the slip tool or like even the blade tool, right? In, in a modern uh, nonlinear editor where it's, you know, you're you're splitting a clip or something like that, right? And what this relates to AI is I feel like when that ceiling increases for people's skill, right? What the responsible thing to do to make sure that you're also getting the context that's necessary to understand, you know, not fall into the trap that we talked about before with Comic Sans, right? Where like all of a sudden you don't know how to necessarily use it correctly. Um, is to learn the history behind it. So like understanding that the reason the blade tool exists is because when you actually had real film, you had to literally cut the thing and glue it together. Right. Like that may not necessarily have greater implication or sorry, that may not have an immediate implication of how you edit, but I think it has a greater implication of your understanding of the tool, how it is used and why you would use it, how you would use AI. So like as a person, not a graphic designer, hopefully I can understand design elements so when I do use AI to design, I'm not doing it in a irresponsible or, as Caleb, you've mentioned, a derivative way. Yeah, you have to know the rules to break the rules. And mm-hmm. surprisingly, Gen Z, the save icon is a actual floppy disk. That yes, sorry. great point. Yeah, yeah no, you, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have I think, no context for that. <laughs> no, I, I think another thing specifically, obviously, this is really only going to apply in the church world, but like. 
I, I can remember this was before my time at Grand Rapids first. There was a uh, IT guy that worked there that does, has not worked there for many years. And I don't even know his name because he left before I got there. That hmm. whenever there was a problem with any of the computers, he would walk over to it, uh, ask what was wrong, whatever. And then he would pray over it for like three or four minutes. And if that didn't work, he would then go and try to fix it. I don't know the success rate of praying over the machine prior to, <laughs> to uh, actually, you know, opening up a command prompt or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but I do think there's something to be said of about a danger of of the intentionality of waiting on the inspiration of God when the inspiration of AI can come like that in terms mm-hmm. of idea generation, in terms of content generation, um, uh, when it gets so much faster, faster and easier. Certainly, uh, you know, we, we could look at biblical parables about how difficult it is for a rich man to get into heaven. And I think a large part of that is because their dependency on God has just decreased to the point where like they don't need him for, for, for all of those, you know, various. They don't need to worry about the food on their table, all that kind of stuff. If we also do not need to worry about our source of inspiration because we know AI is going to give us an idea just like that. There is absolutely a concern that we will become less reliant, we'll be less plugged in and tuned in to what God has to say to us and to the people around us through us, right? So I think this is less of a policy and more of just like a a, a note to keep in mind as Mm -hmm. you're using AI in general, that still ensure as Christians, as churches working in the world of ministry, that you are saying whatever it is that God is telling you to communicate and not whatever just the best idea AI has. I'm not saying that God can't communicate through the prompts AI gives you. I'm not saying that at all. But you need to be doing both and to ensure Mm -hmm. that what you are getting is something God is pushing you towards and not just whatever you think is the coolest at the time. So that would be something that I would definitely be intentional about as you're using it. I feel that's the difference between being a a lazy designer, letting the tool do all the work and using the tool to create the work. For sure. Yeah, I I think that just the prompt thing, you know, like everybody's like, well, what's the coolest prompt or what's the prompt? Here's a five, top five prompt tips or whatever. You still need to prompt it. There mm-hmm. still needs to be something that comes from outside of the whole system to be able right. to think. So like mm-hmm. you, if you want to preach on Romans, you still had to come up with the idea that you wanted to preach on Romans. So like, it's not going to just say, I mean, it could like randomly tell you what to preach on, but you still had to use the tool to say here randomly, what I, what do I, should I preach on? So to me, right, that's right. like where it is like that Pandora's box of like never ending. Like there always has to be some kind of like human element attached to that. And uh, just understanding that for now until hell 9000 takes over and and uh all that i'm sorry yep. i'm sorry nick <laughs> well, nixie i can't do that nixie oh i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna create a uh an instagram account called nixie and, and just Beautiful. i don't know yeah amazing have a, and have ai do it there you go that's, yeah. there we go that's what it's got to be <laughs> yep. so Boom. just to kind of like recap please feel free to uh to add on if i missed it as we land the conversation our our kind of advice as we leave as we uh, in, in developing a framework about how you can approach AI is to prioritize and establish an intentional AI approach policy with your leadership. Prioritize transparency in your use of the tools. Understand the value of your tools, both present, past, and future. Allow your marketing creativity, your mission and value, to be the driving source 
of all that you're creating. And then finally, center your creativity on God. So regardless of the tools you're using, don't lose sight of the reason you're creating in the first place. Does that feel like a pretty good recap, guys? Am I missing anything? It's good. It's good. I feel, yeah, you got it. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we didn't get uh, into too many heresies or anything like that. I love the conversation. <laughs> no, I and, think we're great, Where man. we got to go. Um, mm-hmm. So, Caleb, if you want to take us home, uh, this will be the end of today's episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've uh, watched today's video and you like what you see, please sure to uh, like and to comment and subscribe and do all the things you do at the end of YouTube videos in general. Yep. Uh, if you'd like to <laughs> continue uh, on with this conversation or any other conversation related to church media uh, make sure to hit us up on the discord at discord.blk.bar and once again if you want us specifically to help you with anything in the world of uh, church media and church productions you can find us at blk.bar don't forget uh, to follow yeah. Nixie on Instagram. Yeah, it's not <laughs> happening, guys. It's not I'm gonna happening. have to change. I'm gonna have to change your little lower third nope. to be Nixie for next year. Nope. <laughs> do not do that. Uh, thank you, Alex, for joining us once again, uh, and we will see you all next week.